Hey guys, if I could have your attention, we'll go ahead and get started here. Our number's right, actually a little extra, so I think we're good. But let me tell you how, how wait just a minute, Juice. Uh, what a, a privilege as a father is, these are my sons. These are two of my boys right here. And uh, I love my boys, you know what I'm saying? And these guys are, are, are pretty awesome guys, but to be able to minister with my boys, it doesn't get better than that, you know? I am just very thankful and thank God that um, Conan Pastors and Josh is a, um, a videographer that goes around videoing uh, different ministries. And um, one day he calls me up. He goes, hey, Dad, I'm at the Kansas City Royals baseball stadium standing by Derek Jeter. You want me to tell him hello or something like that? I go, son, don't you need somebody to carry your equipment? You need to call me on these kind of things. You know? Come on. I you gave know? a good game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, whoa. Whoa. I got kicked out. Okay, that comes from his mother's side of the family. Oh, okay. I'll tell you right now. Okay. <laughs> hope not. Hey, but really, guys, I want to thank you for coming out here with us today. We're really honored and privileged. Um, and honestly, guys, it's humbling to know that you're going to come and listen for an hour. Okay, okay. I can't guarantee there's no way I actually believe you're going to listen for the whole hour, but you're at least going to say, kind of maybe take some notes, kind of figure out what's going on and, uh, and that kind of thing. So we're going to share that with you. But I believe my boy Conan has some guys to introduce. Well, we'll do it next time. Do it next time? All right. All right. All right, guys. Well, hey, once again, we're going to be talking about men's ministry and we're going to be talking about, honestly, how do we do that from the ground up? Kona's going to be dealing more with some structure and some things, but I want to share with you the leadership side. Let me ask you this. Why do you want a men's ministry? Why do you think it would be good to have a men's ministry in your church? And if you have one, why do you want to spend the time and energy to make it better? Now, some of us may think, duh, you know what? No, but I want you to think about it. If you're going to start something, if you're going to begin something, how many of you in here... um, have a men's ministry at your church. Yep, most of us. And how many of you do not, but you're looking maybe the possibilities of getting one going, okay? Okay, well, these principles work the same both ways. If you have a men's ministry, it's because somebody was moved by Holy Spirit, somebody was touched by God to give the thought, right, to let's do this. So then, of course, the big question becomes, how how do we do this? How do we make it better? What do we do? So I want to share maybe a couple things with you uh, of the importance of, of things that matter. How many of you found out in life we do a lot of things don't really matter? How many, of you, how many times are we busy doing good things instead of maybe doing better things? We don't think about sometimes because we're doing good things. We're putting all of our energy in. But I want to bring you back, if you will. In fact, I'll tell you what I'd like for you to all do with me today. Come back, even you that have ministries, and let's look at the foundation of that ministry. Let's look at, okay, we want longevity here. We want more guys to come. We want this. We want that to make it successful. How do we do that? Well, I want to start with you, if I may, on the importance of knowing that this is God's direction. If this is just your idea, it's a good idea. But if the anointing of God, the direction of God, of course, we could say, God wouldn't want a men's ministry. Okay, we're not going there. What I'm talking is, if God impresses on your heart that we need to do something about the men in our church, and then you go looking for people that's going to do it, (laughs) we're missing something here. God dropped it in your heart, not the other guy's heart, not yet. But it's in your heart. So what is your first step? What is the thing that you do if you believe you're feeling the thoughts and the nudging of Holy Spirit, if you will, that we need to do this? Well, obviously, the first thing is you go to your pastor. And you say, Pastor, the Lord's been dealing with my heart about this. Now, if he's a pastor, I can only... <laughs> I'm a pastor. I can only say how I would respond to that. And I get people coming all the time saying, you know, I remember a lady a couple of years ago came to me and she said... Pastor, I've got this thing for a ministry in our church. I'd like to call it Stitches of Love. And I'd like to get the ladies together. And I'd like for us to make things, you know, like um, uh, scarves and blankets and hats. And by the way, she made me this awesome Pittsburgh Steeler blanket. I'm just telling you guys. Okay. <laughs> hey, 
coming from a Browns fan. Now think about that for a minute. Okay, here we go. Okay, I'm teasing, guys. But seriously, man, this is the warmest. I'm telling you, she even put a foot thing in so my feet won't get. I mean, come on, man. So if you're good to your people, you reap a lot of things. But here's what I told her. I said, here's what I, here's what I told uh, uh, the guy with the men's ministry. Here's what I want you to do. What does that look like to you? I want you to go back. I want you to begin praying and seeking the Lord on this. And what I want you to do is I want you to tell me from top to bottom how you're going to do this. What is your plan to make this ministry not only take off, but what's your plan to make this ministry successful? I want you to put it on paper for me. I want to see it, what it looks like in your mind. You know what I have learned? I'm thinking one thing, right, for whatever ministry. Well, here they come, and it's like, oh, you know, I never thought of this. I never know. So this is the direction you're thinking, which was good, not negative. It was a good thing. But I think when God places something on our heart, don't immediately think, I got to do that. I got to find somebody that can really do this. Now, most guys and gals, in fact, when I told her that, she goes, oh, well, I wasn't really going to run it. She goes, I just thought maybe we could. I said, no, no, no. Where did you get? You believe this is led by God? Oh, I believe, believe God laid this on my heart. What? You're the girl. Now that ministry's been going over about five or six years now, and I forget how many hundreds, and I think we're probably getting close to the thousand now, of, of scarves and blankets and little hats. They go to nursing homes. They go to orphanage, whatever, and they're giving these things out. Guys, what a ministry. Another ministry came up and said, Pastor, there's a lot of hungry people in our area, man. We got the facility. Why don't we have like a food bank here where people can come and get food? I go, Awesome. How are you going to do that? Oh, no, no, not me. How many times do we do that? No, no, I mean, I just thought it was a great idea. I said, you know what? God gave you the idea, so you're the one that's supposed to make this happen. I, 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 I said, you know what? I'll help, but here's what I need you to do. Go back, put it on paper, what's it going to look like, where you're going to get the food, all these details. Should men's ministry be any different? What I'm saying is it doesn't matter the ministry. When God lays it on your heart, you're the one that should begin to, to do some things. So I want to share with you maybe a couple things that you can do. How many of you know that? I don't know if you believe this or not, but I really believe this to be true. Everything you do matters. It matters. You may say, well, I'm just praying about this. You don't think that matters? You're talking to God about this thing, right? And you may get to the end thing. Well, I don't know who can help me. I need to start thinking about maybe who, who might come around. I need to build a team, right? Because once again, we're, we're not Rambos out here wanting to do our own thing. No, we need to bring people with us. But somebody has to make it happen. So I want you to have a few thoughts with me for a moment. How many of you heard somebody says, man, don't sm- sweat the small stuff? You ever heard that? That guy's on drugs or... I don't know. I want to tell you something. Sweat the small stuff. Because it's the small stuff that brings you the big stuff. See, too many times we want a men's ministry and we want it right now. Or whatever ministry, right? It isn't going to happen right now. Very rarely does it happen right now. So once again, we got to get back to what will it take to build this platform that once we start on it, it's going to hold the weight that's going to hold the success that we're looking for. And if you don't think small things matter, how many of you heard the term, how many of you heard the phrase Waterloo? You ever heard that? You ever heard somebody say, oh, that, so that was your Waterloo? Anybody here? Or am I just the old guy in the room? And you guys know where that came from, right? Napoleon, because that was where he actually had his greatest defeat. But did you know that most people don't know? Napoleon won that battle. I'm not kidding you. He won the battle. But because the small stuff wasn't sweated, he lost that battle. Let me tell you how. Every soldier was supposed to have a small spike, a nail, in their pockets when they went into battle. Two privates was in charge of making sure their platoon, their group, had those nails. And the reason they had the nails was this. Already that day, the day, two days before he met Wellington, he beat the Prussian, the Prussian, Prussians. I can never say that right. They were a hundred thousand of those guys. He only had sixty-five thousand men. They defeated them, right? 
So he just sent a small group of his men over here to hold the, the Prussians at base so they couldn't hook up with the Britons, right? With Wellington and his gang. So then what he did was, and Wellington had 75,000 men, and he still only had a 65,000. But what he did was that day, he outflanked Wellington. And when the army came in, they pushed past the cannons, 160 cannons. They pushed past and pushed Wellington's group back. And what was supposed to happen was when they came across them and got the cannons, they were supposed to drive a nail down in that fire hole so they couldn't use the cannons again. Somebody forgot to give them the nails. Wellington, stand, I mean, not Wellington, Napoleon's up on that mountain. And when he saw him take them cannons, he turned to some of his men. He said, we're going to have, we're going to have dinner today in the tent of Mr. Of, of Mr. Wellington, right? Because he saw they took him. But then he noticed something. And from the top of this mountain, he's saying, spike those fire holes. Put, where's your nail? And what happened? Wellington's men got reinforcements, pushed them back past the cannons, and they turned those cannons on Napoleon's army. And that was where the defeat came. Should they have sweated the small stuff? Oh, the small stuff. Don't, don't sweat the small stuff. I'm telling you. Guys, the small stuff matters. And I don't care what we do. It's important that, that, that we do that. And, and we better do that if we want to be successful. Who do you know? And I'm sure it's happened. You walk in, you start something, and immediately it's a success overnight. Usually things that happen overnight don't go for the long run, do they? Because the platform wasn't built. The foundation wasn't built strong enough. So here's some thoughts I want you to do. I want you to think about with me. I think if you're going to begin something like this, one of the first things you're going to do, and this is one of the first things that, that we need to ask, our, ask of ourselves even, okay, if I'm going to do this, what's it about? Oh, we're going to get together for a breakfast once a month. or it, I mean, is that it? Is that the whole purpose of this? You need a mission statement. As simple as that is, you need a mission statement of why we exist. What is our purpose? If our purpose is fellowship, then we need to have a mission statement that says something about fellowship. And I don't know about you, but it needs to be more than fellowship. It needs to have content to it. Fellowship is important, but we need to do more. So what is your mission statement? What do you want this men's group to accomplish? Well, I don't know, we just want a men's group. <laughs> what are they going to do? What is the purpose behind it? And another thing is, you need a scripture verse. Now, I'm going as basic as it gets here, guys, because I think too many times we don't sweat the small stuff, and we do pay. So once again, what's your, what's your scripture? What are you going to name this group? Men's ministry. Okay, that's, I mean, that tells exactly what it is, but you have something that might strike up something in the hearts of men, you know. Macho, okay, maybe not macho. Wait, I mean, let me try something else. Today. You know, uh, uh, not Navy SEALs, but if you, I, okay, there we go. Iron Man, I like it. Iron Man, you know, Captain America's men, whatever, you know, but you got something to kind of maybe a little create, maybe you'll capture their attention a little bit. Really, iron, and that's scriptural. Iron, what? Sharpens iron, sure. And that is a ministry that's, that's, that's very alive and well. But then I think once you get that in mind, or maybe even as you start thinking on that, you need to gather anywhere, I would suggest, three to five guys around you, and maybe even a lady that might tell you what she thinks husbands need, whatever it is. But you pray and seek God, and when you approach somebody to ask them to help you start a new ministry in the church, you need to have more than saying, um, we're thinking about starting a men's ministry, want to help? Uh, um, oh, I don't know. I'm not real good at that. Whatever. But if you approach this person, listen, man, we are pretty excited here about, we're starting a new ministry here for men. And, and especially if you pray about it and you believe the Lord's kind of directing you as you look over that congregation and you find people, I really believe this is a God thing. I believe he directs that. When you go to him, say, man, listen, I really believe, I really believe the Lord just kind of led me to you that you are the guy that I need to be on a team. And we're going to begin this new ministry because now, maybe if you didn't pick the name 
And maybe you just need to have a name or two and say, we're looking at maybe what to call, we're talking about a men's ministry. And, 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 and we're looking to put together, you know, some thoughts and ideas. And, uh, before we ever announce it to the church, right? We need to do this. So now you put this team together because what's happened is you got a core of guys around you. Now you're no longer alone, right? Now you've got somebody to bounce things off with. You meet with these guys and say, okay, guys, we need a mission statement. What do we want this thing to be? And here's what I'm thinking. And just start planting it like this. And you watch. Guys, this I've seen it so many times become a God thing. You know? That it matters. It matters. Maybe you'll sit down together in that meeting where you find these guys. And listen, it's okay if some guys say no. It isn't for everybody. They might want to attend, but I don't want to, you know, I'm busy, I'm this, I'm that. And of course we are, all of us are. But if they can catch that vision with you, see, here's the deal. If this is something the Lord's impressed on your heart, you now need to become the vision caster. You're now excited about what what you see could be, and you start sharing with these guys, hey, this is going to be a great man. This is going to be really a good thing. You want to be a part of this. Be, be right down on the ground level with man. Let's get this thing started. You don't just walk up and say, uh, want to help me start a men's ministry. <laughs> you, I mean, come on, who's going to get excited about that? You need to step up. You may say, well, I'm not the excitable kind of guy. Well, listen, buddy, you need to find that button somewhere, and it needs to be pushed, okay? You need to just light up a little bit. And you know what I believe will happen? When you really catch this and understand that this is God's direction for you, you will light up. It's a Holy Spirit thing, right? Because He will light you up. And then you think of things, everything from putting together a calendar, right? A yearly guy. This is what we're going to do. And then maybe once you start meeting with a guy, say, guys, you got some things we'd like to do, right? But you got to have a plan. Maybe even looking at what kind of budgets it's going to take. Because the pastor is going to be pretty interested in that part. Hey, what's this going to cost us? You know, or whatever. But hey, you come and say, well, this is what we can get started with. This is what we need. Guys, as a pastor, when that lady came back to me, she was so excited. She lit up with that, with that ministry of, of, of of the sewing and, and having them go out and do all these things. And she wasn't that excited when she told me about it. But once she started praying and seeking, and I said, well, who do you got with the lady? She started naming off lady. Oh, listen, they were excited too. Well, I know why they were excited now. She was excited, right? So once again, guys, how important is it that we start from the very beginning? And, and to do that, it takes a lot of effort. It takes time. It takes prayer. It takes seeking God. Let me ask you this. Somebody in here, somebody, you men that are here, and I'm assuming, I think it would be a safe assumption, that we're probably all born-again believers. You know, we met Jesus. Who, who was it in your life that influenced you to meet Jesus? Who, somebody, some person, because we just don't walk around and when they go, you know what? What was that? You know, and all of a sudden we're like, what? You know, and not having a clue what happened. Somebody influenced you in some way for you to find Jesus Christ. Am I right? Okay. So who was that? Mine was a little lady, honestly, about this tall. She only had one good eye. Back in my day, she worked at downtown Canton, Ohio at Kresge's at the hot dog stand on the corner. And she's the lady that would come to me in church every Sunday. Keith Stevens, you need to give your heart to Jesus. Now I'm a senior, I'm in high school, right? She's got me, she's bugged me through all through high school. My dad was a minister, but I really never gave my life to Christ to my senior year in high school. And she kept coming up and coming up. And finally I said, Sister Webster is what we call it. You need to save Eddie. Eddie don't know Jesus either. She said, Eddie's next, but you are going to give your life to Christ. And then I remember when she was at that hot dog stand, most of you are too young to remember this, but we didn't have malls. Everything was downtown. So we're walking across the street, and, and there's honestly 20, 30 people waiting for the light to change. And that little lady on the other side of the street with only one eye saw me and said, Keith Stevens, I'm praying Jesus saves your soul. And everybody's going like this, yes. so I did too. I went, what? 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 And I went in this door. I went into that store that was there on that corner. I thought, this lady is crazy. But I remember. The Sunday she came, she got on her knees in front of me on that pew, and I was leaning against the pew, and she said, Keith Stevens, I said, Sister Webster, if you will leave me alone, I will go to that altar, and I will pray and ask Jesus. And you know what? I went up that night, 
And my buddy Eddie went with me. And both of us ended up in ministry. But that little lady influenced me. But I want you to think about something for a moment. Let me, let me give you another thought here. There was a man, his name was uh, Norman Borlock, okay? And, and he won a Nobel Prize because he, they informed him that he had been personally responsible for saving the lives, are you ready, of two billion people. And once again, he was the man who hybridized, if you will, if I say that right, corn and wheat for arid climates. And all of a sudden, these people were beginning in desert areas, beginning to able to grow these things. And it's believed that he saved uh, from famine over 2 billion people. And the number's increasing every day. But the most incredible part of that story about Borlaug, and for all the credit that he had received, was not the person who saved the 2 billion people. It's like, what? The announcer was wrong. I believe it was a man named Henry Wallace because he was vice president of the United States under Theodore Roosevelt, who had, I think, three vice presidents during his eight-year term. You know, he, he served uh, uh, four terms. It's crazy. Anyway, Wallace was a former secretary of agriculture, and when he was vice president, he used the power of his office to create a corn and wheat for, the, for arid climates. But what he did was he hired a young man named Norman Borlaug to run it. So while Norman Borlaug won the Nobel Prize, it was really Henry Wallace whose initial act was responsible for saving the two billion lives. But wait a minute. Now that I really think about it, maybe it wasn't Henry Wallace. Maybe it was uh, the credit should have been given to George Washington Carver. Anybody remember that name? He's the peanut guy, right? He's the guy that took the peanut. But when he was 19 years old, he was in an Iowa State University. He had a dairy science professor who allowed his six-year-old son to hang out with George Washington Carver. And he took that little guy and directed his life. And it was Carver who gave the six-year-old Henry Wallace a vision about his future and what he could do with plants to help humanity. Pretty amazing. Carver never... Uh, Carver could spend all the time with the peanuts, all the hours, months, years of work. You know, he developed 266 products from the peanut. And you know what else he did? He come up with 88 uh, projects and things, products from the sweet potato, right? So once again, he even developed this thing called Victory Gardens that during the Depression saved a lot of people's lives because somehow I don't even know all about that. But it's amazing. A few afternoons with a six-year-old named Henry Wallace turned out to make such a difference. So maybe the credit should have gone to George Washington Carver. Well, not really. Let me back up again. Maybe it was the farmer from Diamond, Missouri named Moses who had a wife named Susan. They didn't believe in slavery. Quantrill's raiders came through, terrorizing the people, called them sympathizers, burned the guy's ranch down, stole, wasn't a slave girl, but it was a, 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 a black lady that he took her and her son and they, and they kidnapped him, if you will. And, and when that happened, actually, that lady's uh, was a very good friend of Moses and his wife. Mary Washington was her name. And she refused to let go of her infant son. And Moses sent word immediately out and followed those raiders and said, look, I'll trade. I want them back. I'll do anything it takes. So they set up a meeting in the middle of the night, about two or three hours away in the dead of winter. And he rode the only horse he had out there. And those guys showed up. They had these sacks over their head, you know, with the eyes looking out. And, and they threw down a burlap sack and, 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 he, and they took the only horse that he ever had or that, that he owned at the time. And the boy, the, the man Moses, he got in that bag and the little baby boy, naked, fro, half frozen to death. I mean, Moses took his jacket, even took his shirt and put that little boy right up against his skin and then began to walk for hours back to his, to his home. And, and on the way, he talked to this little guy over and over again, and he promised him, I'm going to get you an education. I am going to give you my name. And, and that's exactly what he did. And, and that little boy, whose name was George Washington, Moses Carver gave him his name. And he became, of course, George Washington Carver. They knew the mother was already dead. But that night, he adopted, if you will, in his own way. So there it is. It's obviously the farmer from Diamond, Missouri, who saved those two billions lives. Unless, okay, could we not? Here's my point. You never know 
the life you touch. Because everything you do matters. Right now, my boy's a minister. And many people have come to Jesus through his ministry. So we could look at him and say, man, look what Conan did. Led these people to Jesus and give him all the credit. But wait a minute. I raised this boy to love Jesus. Right? If I hadn't raised him to love Jesus, maybe he wouldn't have won all those people to Jesus. Okay, wait a minute. My dad loved Jesus. Okay, Can we not keep going? How far can we go with this? If my dad, and you know what blessed me with my dad, he got saved when he was 21. He was boy raised in Kentucky, bootlegger, you know, chewed his tobacco and, and you know, I drank, you know, he was, he actually was a drunk. But he met Jesus one day. And when he met Jesus, he defeated alcohol. He defeated tobacco. He defeated his foul language. And when I came along, those battles weren't mine. My dad won those battles for me. What he did has now mattered for generation. How awesome is that, guys? So my point, once again, brings us back to the importance of what we do. And if you feel in your heart that a men's ministry is what you need to do, then you need to take that passion. You may, maybe you don't feel passionate about it. You need to say, God, did you give me this? Did you? I mean, nobody else has said much about it. Or maybe his pastor has said something and something lit up in your heart when he said it. Well, we really do need that. Well, maybe God once again is speaking to you that you take that step of faith and be that man, if you will, that's going to step up to the plate and let Holy Spirit minister through you because everything you do matters. I don't know if any of you are familiar with like the ministry that's really kind of exploded here is uh, church planning. A church planner has to go through <laughs> a lot of basic training before they ever start a ministry, right? Why wouldn't that be the same for any ministry? They don't start their church. They don't go to a little camp, a camp for a few weeks and step out and start a church. No. They begin to plan. They begin to cover it with prayer. They begin to surround themselves with a core group of leaders that's going to step into this ministry with them. Do you have anybody you can think of? Maybe the Lord would lay on your heart today that you're the man. I mean, why are you here? If, it, if something in your heart wasn't about men's ministry, you, you wouldn't be here, would you? No, there's something there. So maybe, not maybe, if you're here, you need to maybe just really check and say, well, God, I never thought about what he's saying. You know, I never thought about me being the one. I just thought we ought to go back and try to do it. No, you are the ones that's here today. So I believe, once again, that God wants you to step up and he wants you to begin the thought process. Not begin necessarily the ministry next week. You begin the thought process. You begin to say, you know what? I'm not just going to look at the big picture that we want to have. I'm going to look at the things that matter. I'm going to look at the small things. And I'm going to begin right here with zero and build on this thing. And guys, I am totally convinced that if you take a ministry like that and you begin to build it, that God's going to honor it. He's going to honor it. But we need to have that. And I'll tell you what's really great. Um, iron sharpens iron. We was talking to some of the guys today, um, which is really an outreach uh, with the Assemblies of God. and and But they're coming up. In fact, Bill, he said within the next 60 days, you know, you said that out loud, Bill. I don't know if you knew that. Okay, he said. <laughs> He's going to have this, um, okay, we've, we've used the term before, we're not going to use, but that did kind of make it look right. It's like a blueprint. It's like how to begin. It's like steps A, B, C, and D on how to begin a men's ministry. So we're going to be having some information um, and I didn't really introduce myself. This is my son, Conan, and I'm Keith Stevens, and we are the co-men's directors for the state of Ohio. And um, what an honor for me once again to work with my son. And that, I mean, that's just awesome to me. It just humbles me to say, thank you, God. This is just pretty awesome. So, we, we, you know, we're, we're coming up here pretty soon on a thing that we call game day. Anybody here does not know what game day is? A couple? Okay. Well, game day is once a year we have a men's gathering that we do at our campgrounds at Heartland, right? This year it's on June 1st and 2nd, and it's a day for men. The Friday night is geared to get men around the altars. It's to get men, and, and this year the gentleman that's coming um, is, is the name, uh, his first name? 
Neil Kennedy, he's put together a ministry called the Five Star Ministry. Pretty powerful too, man. He's going to be with us in that Friday evening session. The Friday evening is really designed, guys, to get our guys into the altar. You know what? A guy came up to me yesterday. He said, excuse me, Keith, but remember the game day when you and your dad and Conan passed the baton from generation to the next generation? He said, you remember that? I go, yeah, I do, man. That was a real privilege for me. In fact, he said it yesterday. Yesterday was my dad's birthday, 92, and he's still with us. He can't hear us anymore, but he's still with us. Bless his heart. We can't, can't hear. Hey, Dad. Oh, you, know, you know what? Okay, that's only funny to the Stevens. You'd have to That's kind of our humor, I guess. I don't, that's sad, making fun of it. But anyway, you know what he said to me? He said, I came to that meeting just kind of on the edge. Wasn't really serious about God. But my father-in-law, you know, he'd been a Assembly God boy his whole life. But at the end of that session, we're up at the altar, and my father-in-law turns to me and hands me that baton. He said, I'm a youth pastor today at the Assembly of God Church in Lancaster. You know what? That day changed his life. Now, you know that was a God thing, okay? It was a God thing. But God got a hold of him. These are the kind of reports and stories that we get from those altar times, honestly, every year. Because it's men worshiping with men. And it's men that don't even know what worship is, to be honest with you. A lot of them. Guys bring, you know, just different ones. And um, I love it when families want to bring a son-in-law or something like that, you know, that don't really have a clue. <laughs> but we also on game day, we make it spiritual. But there's a reason it's called game day. Okay, We have games on Saturday. Conan rattle off some of our games. Yeah, everything from, uh, you know, handguns to... Shotguns to uh, you know, bow and arrow to cornhole, ping pong, three on three basketball, mud run. I mean, you name it. Yeah. Yep. And that's the whole the whole goal, right? Is to uh, what incredible hook to invite somebody who maybe not a believer. But hey, man, we got a three on three basketball tournament, bro. You play basketball, why don't you be on my team? So then they show up to that, and then it's, it's through that opportunity, right, that we can we can share Christ with them. Yep. And you know, too, it, they really get a feel of right. They're in the same dorm room. You know, eating around the same table, praying together at the altar, playing on the field. And so the whole heart is, you know, game day can be an incredible opportunity for you to start your men's ministry by grabbing some guys together, building the camaraderie and the friendship. But to be honest, most guys are very standoffish, right? They don't like to talk a lot. But uh, even that Friday night after the, the message and the altar time, we break up into groups and we say, hey, get with your group, whether it's the pastor or men's uh, men ministry leader, and so we give three questions on the screen that they can, you know, to lead you through with your guys. And so the whole goal is get these guys opening up and talking and build relationships. So, start yeah. Mind. yeah. Can I say something? I'm sorry. So I went for the first time uh, last year. I actually did the mud run. <laughs> um, it was a very fun activity. Uh, Yo, you go ahead. So it was a very fun activity, and for those of you who don't know what it is, it was probably one of the best 24 hours of my life. It is really 24 hours. And um, one of the things I realized was that it was when we took the bus, we're from, I'm from Cincinnati, Montgomery, that was probably the most amount of time I've spent with any of the guys from my church being on that bus ride to the place, and that was awesome. So if you get the opportunity, I would say do it. Excellent. Excellent. But guys, what is it? What is it? It's getting guys together. And when you get guys together, especially you get them in a surrounding, think about it. The peer pressure at a Christian event, the peer pressure is for you to worship, for you to go to the altar. You know, it's not the other opposite peer pressure they get everywhere else. Don't say anything about Jesus. Don't do anything religious. You know, no, now the peer pressure is turned around. We don't put pressure. But I mean, in a way, you see what I'm saying. It's what everybody's doing, and it's acceptable, and it's a good thing, and they realize that. So once again, the encouragement is to is to get them involved. The games is just designed to get them there. When we added, well, this ain't the best day in age to talk about it, but when we added the, the gun, the pistols, man, a good 50, 60 more people came. One year we had right at almost 190-some guys signed up. To, to compete with the pistol thing, you know? And then when we added the shotgun, you know, with uh, clays and stuff like that, hey, it's just guy stuff. They even have Frisbee golf was another one that they have out there. And I mean, guys, they even got a thing where you throw a football through, a, you know, everything, anything you can almost imagine to compete in. And the thing is, so you didn't win. Well, you know, even though you did as a one event, they got so many events, it's not like you do one event and then just sit around. No, and we keep it moving so fast anyway. But anyway, guys, June 1st and 2nd, 
You'll be hearing more about it. It's game day. It, it, it really is an awesome day. And then in the fall, there's also a ministry called Iron Sharpens Iron. And that's in the month of October, September, October. Yeah. And it's in Akron, Ohio. Um, uh, and, and you'll be hearing a little more about that as well, guys. But it's just a guy, the gathering for men, uh, that kind of set up like we are right here. You know, that has all kinds of different things that would hold interest of men. But these are things, once you get moving, and once you get your foundation built, and once you start, these are things you can put on that calendar. Man, I I need to get my guys there. This is life-changing. Life-changing. One pastor told me, in fact, uh, Pastor Kevin Crow, he came up to me and said, since you guys moved this to the campgrounds, I have spent more time this first weekend, I spent more time with my guys than I have in the 10 years being their pastor at the church. And he said, awesome. Don't leave this place. That was his life. This is great. Because they roomed in the same room. You know, it was like, you know, they got bunks in all the rooms and things like that. So, guys, it's, it's the things that once you get started, you get creative. It's amazing when you really take the time to sweat the small stuff, how it begins to grow into the bigger stuff. And then it supports the bigger stuff, right? Absolutely. Well, hey, guys, they've asked us to take the last few minutes. Conan. I'll throw something out. I think, you know, talking philosophically about putting the men's ministry together. Let me throw just quick three questions at you that I think as you're putting it together kind of goes along with what my dad's saying can help. I think the first question is this, and this can men's ministry, whatever ministry. The first question is this. What does a healthy men's ministry look like? So you meet with your guys, right? You get a group of guys together, and you go, let's talk about it, man. What does, what does a healthy men's ministry look like? So let me just throw that out. Let's take a few minutes. In your head, whether it's a word or a sentence, what does a healthy men's ministry look like to you? What would you say? That was a question to be asked. Yeah. What would you say? What's all inclusive. The, all inclusive. Yep. So open to every all and every man. Yep. Yeah. Active participation. Okay. So active participation. Absolutely. Passion. You said. Oh yeah. Absolutely. All, yep. all ages. All ages. Yep. Yep. Great. Absolutely. Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Come on. You know every guy's craving that, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Accountability. Accountability. Absolutely. Excellent. Which think about, we live in a society, right, where men desire that, but they're afraid to ask for it. Come on now. Everybody wants it, but they're like, uh, yeah. Helping build a sound family. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of men are, they got that question, how do, how, how do I become a good husband? How do I become a good father? Yeah. Bible-based. Bible-based. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. we got centered around the Word of God, right? Healthy. Yeah. What did you say? Leadership. Leadership. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. What's it look like to be a leader? Yeah. But else, yeah. And one very small thing about planet. When do you meet? Yeah, when do you meet? People always say the other Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So that's the next, actually the next question I'm going to ask. Hit that. Yeah. So even sitting down and going, all right, for our church, for our ministry, what does a healthy ministry look like? You know, I would encourage you to put that question on the board and spend some time. Grab some guys together. Write it down. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? You're almost building... You know, a bullseye of what direction are we going? What does it look like? What is what is the goal? So, what does a healthy ministry look like? Any more on that? Would you say any, any, any of that we missed? Leadership. Leadership. Yeah. yeah. Purpose. Purpose. That's good. Incorporation into the general body of the church. Yes, that's yeah. good. Absolutely. And every pastor says Amen to that one. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Incorporating them into the body of the church. Yeah. What else? So what does a healthy ministry look like? I think the second question that we got to ask is this, is what is our strategy to get there? So we know what we want to do. We know what a healthy ministry looks like, a healthy men's ministry. Well, what do we have to implement to get it there? What is our strategy? And I think that's probably where, where most of us drop the ball. We kind of know what we want, but sometimes we've never put it on paper. We've never written it down. You know, the scripture talks about make it plain, right? So that people can run to it. Like we need to write it down and go, yes, this is, this is where we're going. And then what is our strategy? Now let's be honest, strategy can look a whole bunch of different ways. You know, everything, and we're going to talk about this in the next session. We'll kind of go more nuts and bolts of launching a, a men's ministry. But like, you know, what is going to be the draw? What is something in our church or our community or, you know, in our context that's going to connect with men? What does that look like? What is our strategy? Is it just going to be me? Is, are we going to have a team of men? When are we going to meet? That's another great question, you know, because uh, we live in a society where men, men are pulled in every direction. I mean, let's be honest, man, I got, I got three young kids, and 
you know, man, going to practices and I just closed my coaching career. I said, I'm now handing you off to better coaches. But, you know, for years I was coaching baseball and basketball and all, all this different thing. And so seasons of life, right, it's tough. And maybe you're at a church where uh, maybe the, the demographic is older. Maybe you're at a church where the demographic is younger, whatever the case. You've got to have a strategy, you know, to get there. So what does a healthy men's ministry look like? Second one is what is our strategy to get there? And the third thought is this, what tools or resources do we need to accomplish it? Now, what does that look like? Man, do we need, do you need a budget? Hey, man, do you need a room to meet? Hey, what is a, what does that look like? What tools or resources? And, you know, people are resources. And to pull something off, you know, my dad talked about it, but, you know, you look at, right, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, the, the work of the ministers, right, walks through all of them is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So, like, if I'm doing something on my own, you know, I just, uh, a couple weeks ago, had a chance to climb Kilimanjaro, right? Attempted a seven-day hike in three days. I now know what altitude sickness is. I was hurling. And I'm like, can it kill you? So I can't kill you. I'm like, well, then let's keep going. Anyway, <laughs> crashed to the top, videos on YouTube. I was literally a goo I was a mess. Made it. But I realized this. I didn't get to the top of that mountain by myself. I had a guide and I had a porter, right? This porter carried my winter gear to the highest base camp so that I could throw it on so I had to carry it so that I'd be fresh enough to then bolt to the top in a day and a half, right? Like he did all, right? He was, he had the food on his back. And so I realized if I had to do all that myself, I couldn't go as far. Now, let's be honest, in men's ministry, if we're doing it all, we're not going to go near as far and it's not going to be done as well. In fact, honestly, I tell my staff, I go, if you're doing the ministry, I tell my staff, I didn't hire you to do ministry. They're like, what did you hire me to do? I hired you to train and equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. In fact, everything that I do, I'm robbing people. As the pastor, if I do it all, I rob people. If I'm doing all that, if I'm doing all of everything now, when I planted the church, I was the janitor. I was the worship leader. I was, the, I was all that. But as the church began to grow, we began to put more and more people. And now, right, I was gone for two and a half weeks to Africa. The church ran better without me. Praise God. <laughs> like, hey, you're back. You actually got to, well, why? Because put great people in charge and you give them authority and you give them responsibility and they're fulfilling their gifts. And so we have an opportunity as men's ministry leaders to bring men around us. And you know what I found? Dude, there's some incredible men sitting in our church that they're that untapped resource. I love what our brother spoke about in the first session. Like those bad, dude, there's batteries still in the package, sitting in the church that we have not utilized. And when we utilize the power, dude, it's, it's like the book of Acts. What was the power of the book of Acts? The power of the book of Acts was releasing the average believer, which those average believers back there would be super Christians today, right? <laughs> the average believer. And they released them, and ministry was done in an incredible way. So we have that opportunity. And so as we define, here's what a healthy ministry looks like, men's ministry, Here's our strategy to get there. And then here's the resources that we need to pull it off, right? So resources, again, could be people, could be a place to meet. I don't know, whatever it is. It, you know, uh, I know at our church we've done several things. And from everything, from we had a ton of guys at one time riding bikes on Saturday mornings. And we'd go bust out 50 miles or whatever it is, and, you know, to, uh, I mean, everything from the shooting stuff. to you got to find what works for you. But what's those resources? What's the resources you go, man, if I just had this. Let me say this too. I've known people, well, if I just had, one day, one day God hit me really good, right? I was praying. I'm like, Lord, we got a vision of planting 100 churches. Planted about 19. We got nine in the pipeline this year. And I'm like, Lord, I'm praying big, bold prayers. God, we're going to, and I'm like, Lord, if some guy would just write me a million dollar check. We can plant so many churches. We'd be at that 100 mark before you know it. And I'm like, yeah, God, we can do it. And literally, I'm in this, there's a room about like this, and this guy, he's a man of God, dude, he's preaching, he's like, and he stops, and he's like, and he looks directly at me, he's like, I got a word for you, and I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> so I was writing notes on my head, he goes, he goes, you're praying for God to give you money, but God's saying if you raise up the leaders, he'll supply all the money you need. And he kept on going, I'm like, I'm like, afterward, he's like, was I on? I go, yeah, you're pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. Yeah, bro, that was spot on. I realized, like, I'm praying, oh, if I just had the resources. 
How many know we serve a God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills? He owns it all. And sometimes we go to God and we operate in this scarcity mentality when God desires us to operate in the abundance mentality. And here's what I've seen. Here's what I've noticed. The more that our church has given away, the more God pours it back to us. We've given away hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people the last 11 years. We've given away hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And every time, God brings it back. And so I think if we operate in that same mentality that God owns it all, and here's what I believe. Wherever you are right now, God's giving you exactly what you need to take the first step. You may go, well, I don't know. Okay. You may be the only one taking a step, right? But I believe as you're praying and as you're looking, God will send you people. And people are resources, kingdom resources. And like you said, one of, them, one of you mentioned purpose. There's a whole lot of men in our church, and they're starving for purpose. They're looking at everything. They're looking at the jobs. They're looking at the title. They're looking at a bank account. You know, they're looking in a relationship. They're looking in, you know, many, right, maybe, maybe in this room, right, wounds of the father because my father never validated me or he never said he was proud of me and I searched for that. He may even be dead and gone. We search in all of these things and men are looking for purpose. And you know what? We have the answer. We have the answer. So as we give that. So what does a healthy men's ministry look like? What is our strategy to get there? And what tools or resources do we need to accomplish it? So I think if you sat down and you literally prayed through and gave some serious brain energy to it. You know, don't do it alone, man. If you can grab some guys, maybe you're at a really small church, grab some guys, you know, leaders from another church, pick another leader's brain. Maybe team up with someone in this room and go, hey, hey, how about a lunch here in a little bit? We sit down and connect. Or uh, give me your number, man. I would love to connect with you. Because here's what I believe. There's some answers in this room. You know, you may have questions over here, and they may have the answer, and vice versa. And I've known sometimes when I connect with people in conferences like this, I learn more from rubbing shoulders with other leaders in my scenario than even I have in the sessions. So I would say this, don't miss that. You know, you look around this room. Uh, let me, how many of you are the men's ministry leader in your, in your church? And we talk, yeah. Any pastors in this church or the pastor? Yeah. How many would say, uh, you know, man, I have a strong desire to lead men's ministry in my church? Yeah. So I think just connecting, connecting with each other and go, hey, man, what are you doing? This works. Uh, you know, what didn't work? <laughs> yeah, good, I tried that too. Yeah, it didn't work. You know, but what's working and what's not working? So I'll say this. There is a whole host of resources that are out there that are available to us. And so what's a healthy men's ministry look like? What's our strategy to get there? What tools or resources do we need to pull it off? Yeah. So as a district men's ministry, do we have a vision? Do we have a mission statement? Do we have, and then do we have resources? You guys already have resources for us. Here's what we have. We, we, yeah. Implement that. Yeah. We walk with something called Project 13. And so we have that. It's funny because several years ago, like, we had, we had, we had reps in every, you know, almost every area trained to lead in that. And then not one phone call, you know, for any pastor. Hey, we can help you. And it was just like, so uh, we would actually be willing to show up and work with, walk with you. Yeah. At your church to go, hey, let's do it. Yeah. You want to talk like you want to talk Project Thirteen a little bit? We got well, four minutes. We're, we're four minutes. <laughs> and so okay. even if we need to sit after this, we can talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking for the bigger, bigger vision. Yeah, like, like we're, we're yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yep. is that right? Yeah, healthy men in every church. Like it's, yep. it's healthy men's ministry. So, yeah, you know. And so Project Thirteen, in a nutshell, is this: it kind of it trains the pastor. To then bring a ham, right? To to train a guy who then brings five people around, and who brings five people around, and, and you know it explodes. I'm excited too. I know this year at Game Day we're bringing a guy, Neil Kennedy. He's got that five star man, which man he we were talk. I've been talking to him on the phone, and we walked through his stuff. He actually has an entire process to raise up uh, men's ministry leaders. It's all done via video. It's really it's really some pretty sharp stuff. Uh, there is a little bit of a cost to it, but he walks through and, yeah, and I mean, he takes it from ground level of, of launching the men's ministry. And so one of the things we're looking to do at game day this year is we're going to give, he'll do breakfast on that Saturday. He'll meet with some pastors and leaders to walk through some of that stuff. Um, so, you know, we walked through, we, we've kind of, I don't know, Project 13 that we walked through didn't really meet what we were looking to do. You know, again, it was, it was, I think there's a huge thing where there's a big need, but most pastors are, you know, if you're a pastor, right, spinning so many plates, 
It's like how I don't have time or energy to do one more thing. So that's why we're launching it through. It has to be almost led by a man in your church. You know, pastor absolutely needs to be there, right? It needs to be an incredible voice. I know in the past we've done different things, men's ministry, and my voice was hugely important, and I was there supporting it. But I had another guy. Uh, yeah. Game days registration is open. It is open, yeah. And here's what we've done too: we extended the uh, the early bird deadline till the end of March. So we've extended it to we. It was to February, but we've extended it till the end of March. Yeah, we had some guys calling. I guess there was a, a glitch with I don't know the registration or but we fixed it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, hey, one other thought before you go. I don't mean to pick on Napoleon today, but Napoleon was meeting with his officers, and this young officer, the youngest, lowest officer, knocks on the door. He let him in. He said, "It's up like Napoleon said. This better be important." He said, "Sir." After we defeat this army, I want to know if you'll give me the island that you're going to take. These other guys are looking at him, these senior sticks of whatever. Napoleon goes, you got it. Thank you, sir. And he leaves. These guys are going, what? You gave that? Yeah, what? And he said, they said, may I speak? And Napoleon said, yes. Can I ask why did you grant that man his request? He said, because he honored me by asking big. Who else can give away an island? And I want you to think about it with God. I think what impresses and blesses God is when you ask for something big. How was it we phrased that, Co? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. Yeah, but there was something else. Uh, I can't, it just escapes my mind. But anyway, it was in essence the fact that when you go and ask God for something big, He's going to honor it. Let's not go, it's, I don't know. If he'd have walked in there and said, um, would you give me a couple acres or something? I think he'd have rent them out of that office, right? Sometimes I wonder if God doesn't feel the same way. God, can you help me? I need $500. And it's like, dude, I own the cattle on a thousand hills and you're only asking for five. You hear me? Whatever it may be, if you're going to go and pray, guys, believe big. Don't even go in with this thing. Well, I hope this. Go into this thing saying, you know what, God? If you lay this on my heart, you wouldn't do that. Hey, I'm going to trust your process. I'm going to trust your wisdom. Some of you guys didn't raise your hands like, maybe I want to go home and be a leader. Hey, maybe you don't want to. Maybe you're thinking, well, anyway, I'm, here. I'm here just to get some ideas to help out. Maybe God is trying to get our attention. Guys, if we could have sparked in this little first session... It wasn't so much as much structure and things as it was to hopefully bring our thoughts to the importance of the small things. Small things matter. Start, you know, don't worry about the big picture yet. Start right here and build that base.